false teachers do. They always disturb the body. And the unfortunate part is those who are really faithful and those who are really grounded oftentimes become shaky and they become they love God so much and they want to seek after God so much that they will do anything, they'll listen to anybody because they want more truth. And that's what's happened as people have come into the church. And John is saying, hold on. Everything's going to be alright. So let's look at the Scripture this morning, and let's start at verse 18 of 1 John chapter 3. And so as I read it to you, I'm reading out of the NIV this morning because I think it kind of captures the Scripture a little bit better than, than the version that I love. But I think it helps us understand something. So I'm going to read a few verses and then we'll expound on them. It says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. This then is how we know that we belong to the truth, and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. And I wouldn't suggest you doing this, but just for you, some of the, you may, may not know this, but the Bible has not always had verses and numbers. It always hasn't been broken up like it is today. And we do that because it's a reference point. And we can memorize Scripture, we can reference back to Scripture, but it has not always been. So what I did actually was I marked out verse 20, the number 20, because if you're like me, I'm a, I'm a thinker and I just can't, I think in wholeness, and it's hard for me to think in parts. So I mark that out, and I wouldn't suggest you doing that, but if you look at it in segments, then you miss out on the Scripture of what it's saying to us and what God is trying to speak to us through John. And so, if you did that, and just as a continuous sentence, it said, this then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence. Whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts and He knows everything. And if you are anything like me, I have been in a state of being plenty of times where the enemy has just been beating me up over and over again. I've actually had some conversations this week alone that some of you are experiencing the same thing, that you are just being beat up over and over again. And so my prayer for you this morning is that this morning you will become settled. And that you would know who you are in Jesus Christ. Because it says here that we are to set our hearts at rest in His presence. But you see, so often it goes on whenever our hearts condemn us. And so often, that is the state of being that we continue in. And can I get a raise of hands of any of you that may have struggled with condemning yourself in the past? Almost every one of us. 
And the tricky thing is, is in, in that we do preach the Word of God here and that we preach it hard sometimes. And you know that the closer we get to Jesus, the closer we get to God, the more we see our lives and how it doesn't line up to His standard. And then that's just when the condemnation just begins to heap itself on us. But you see, if you have accepted Jesus Christ... And as the scripture says, those who call upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. You are in right standing with the Father this morning. And if you are struggling with sin or you're struggling with something and you just can't get past it, I want you to know that that blood of Jesus Christ that was shed on the cross is enough for you. Because scripture says at one time we were alienated from the Father. But through His death, He presents us before God holy and blameless and above reproach. So if you're a sinner like me, I take great hope in that. And that it gives me so much hope that when I come into the presence of God, there's no condemnation. And if there is condemnation, then I have to begin and I'll tear that down just a little bit. In a few minutes is that if there is, when I get in His presence, all that melts away to where I am no longer a slave to fear. And I wanted to point out a few things. This comes from uh, the book called Explicit Gospel. And Matt Chandler breaks down a few things of how we can overcome condemnation. And see, if you are like me, So often, when I start to feel condemned, I begin to do more things. I begin to read my Bible more. I begin to pray more. I begin to do a lot of things that I haven't maybe been doing, thinking that I can gain God's favor, when really, all it does is lead me straight back to that road of, I don't measure up. And I'm not saying that Bible reading and prayer is not important. It actually saves my life. But so often we do these things because we are trying to earn something. And I would ask you this morning, why do our hearts condemn us so often? You see, when you are trying to earn God's favor and your access to God is built around how well you're behaving, then you are, then you are motivated to obey by the hope of acceptance through behavior. And I would call this behavior modification. And so often the challenge for us, I don't know about you guys, but when I went to Sunday school, when I was a kid, it was all about making my behavior better. And it wasn't much about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you see, really, what John is calling us back to and what Matt Chandler is saying in his book, Explicit Gospel, That it's all about the gospel. It's not about what we do. It's not about anything like that. But it's about who we are in Jesus. And you see, there's even a worse state is the people who do this and do not grow weary in their striving. They are the ones who end up condemning others. They are the Pharisees. They are the Sadducees. That they do work after work after work. 
And they don't grow weary, but if you're like me, I grow weary really quick. But Matt Chandler says there's three weapons of grace to combat condemnation. And I want to share those with you this morning. And the first is the blood of Christ. You see, Ephesians 2 verse 13 says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. See, we have not been brought near to God by our behavior, but by the blood itself. And those who understand the gospel, when they screw up, they run to God and not from Him. It's all about the blood of Christ. And you see, it started at the garden when sin came in. What did they do? They hid from God. And that is a good indication that maybe you are walking in condemnation and not conviction. The second weapon of grace is the Word of God. 2 Timothy chapter, uh, chapter 3 verses 16 and 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. This is going to be a confusing statement, but if you just hold on just for a moment, I think you'll understand it. Here is one truth about truth to think about. Here is one truth about truth to think about. The Holy Spirit... And the accusations of the devil can do the same things. That's harsh. And it kind of sounds contradictory, but it's not. Both can make us aware of our shortcomings and the impossibility of earning favor with God. Just like Danan said this morning, our righteousness is filthy rags before God. We cannot earn His favor. You see, the devil brings up the truths to accuse us and condemn us. The Holy Spirit brings up truth to convict and comfort. Again, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation takes you farther from the truth. But the Holy Spirit brings conviction, and comfort. Weapon number three is the promise of a new covenant found in Hebrews 9, verse 15. For this reason, He is the mediator of a new covenant so that since a death has taken place for the redemption of the transgressions, they were committed under the first covenant Those who have been called may receive the promise of the internal inheritance. Jesus Christ died so that we could have eternal life. This is a promise. See, Jesus Christ has paid for our shortcomings in obedience to the law by His perfect life given to us. That is why we can fail 
And we can fall short of God's glory. And we can get right back up. You see, so often when we line our lives up to the Word of God, we fall short. But John shares with us early in this book that if we do sin, we have a mediator with God and His name is Jesus Christ. So if you are struggling this morning with sin, and you just can't let it go, I want to ask you, have you truly trusted in the name of Jesus? Because, you see, it's not just about trusting in a name, Jesus, although that is powerful. It is trusting in the power that comes behind that name and who that name represents. You see, so often, I think for us as believers, is so often trust is a virtue. And I think God is constantly teaching us to trust Him. He's calling us to a place of just saying, do you really trust? And you see, condemnation leads to despair and anxiety. And again, conviction leads us to hope and comfort. And so when John is saying here, we'll go back to John, is when he's saying that we can set our hearts at rest in His presence, even when our hearts are condemning us, because God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. And He knows that when we have accepted His Son, that we are pure and holy. And I know that I'm saying this over and over and over again. someone here needs to know that they are holy and they are righteous in Jesus Christ and that you are a child of God and as a child you have a marvelous inheritance and that inheritance is eternal life so let's go on to the second point my first point was assurance of acceptance the second is going to be assurance of answered prayer. How many of you guys have heard of AAA insurance? Everybody has. And I'm even rethinking my insurance. Like, I may need to go get AAA because my wife had saved her lots of time as a poor student traveling from Wisconsin to Arkansas back and forth. And her dad had AAA and it always saved her from despair. It was the one lifeline the dad gave to the daughter if she got stuck in the hills of the Ozark. That can be a dangerous thing, folks. I'm telling you. But that's what this reminded me of because it's almost AAA insurance. If we go on to read in 1 John 3, verse 21-22, through 22, it says, Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. And what an inheritance we have that God actually hears our prayers and that God actually answers them. And so I want to ask you a question this morning. When was the last time 
God answered a prayer of yours. I want you just to think about that for a moment. It's a key that's going to unlock the door this morning. It's one of those prayers that maybe you've prayed. I don't even know if you gave voice to it, but God moved. And He answered it. And I want you to know, if you've seen God answer your prayer, that you are in good standing this morning. Because God cannot hear a sinner's prayer. Now, I mean, hold on, wait a minute. The Bible says it very clearly. And I know that God hears us when we cry out to Him and ask Him for salvation. I, I think He does hear those prayers. But you see, we are calling God Father, which is something the world cannot do. Not all roads lead to the Father. There's only one way to the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. And there's a story that I love, and I won't get into it too much for time's sake, but it's out of John 9. If you go home and you read it, it's really a cool story. It's when Jesus spit on the ground, and He made uh, mud out of dirt, clay, and He put it on the man's eyes, and the guy's eyes he went and washed and he was no longer blind and Jesus touched a blind beggar and then there was an uproar in the community it's a pretty unique story and then they got this blind man and they brought him before the Pharisees the religious people and they said hey um were you blind and you know I can imagine the blind man saying uh I think I was blind I'm not real for sure now. You're really scaring me here. And then even so much so, the people that saw him beg said, is this the man that was actually blind? Or is it just one that looks like him? And so they call him up and said, who touched your eyes? Who, who did this to you? And he begins to explain, hey, I don't know, but this guy named Jesus came by and he healed me. And one of the religious guys speak up in verse 16. And he says, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And there was a division among them. And then the Pharisees call the parents. And say, Hey, was your son actually born blind? Was he really? And the parents were scared because anybody who confessed Jesus as the Christ were going to be kicked out of the synagogue. So they said, We're not answering you. He's of age. Some of you parents want to say that now. They're of age. Hey, they're on their own. But here's what the blind beggar said. An uneducated beggar. He said, we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is God-fearing and does His will, He hears Him. A profound statement coming from a blind beggar. This is, hey, I don't know about this Jesus, but I know He touched my eyes, and I know that God does not hear sinners. And John is saying, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God, and we receive from Him anything we ask, because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. And I want you to know this morning, 
that God wants to answer your prayers. And I want you to know, there's nothing that you can do to make God love you any more or any less. But it's trusting in the name of Jesus. It's trusting in who He, who he is. And you see, you may want to ask this question, is why does God answer some prayer, prayers and not answer others? And I've taught about this before and I won't get into it too much. I believe we live in a state of already and not yet. I believe Christ has done everything that He needed to do on the cross for our redemption and for our healing. But I also know that we live in a fallen world where death still reigns. It is the one thing that when Christ returns, death will be done away with. And so we ask the question, well, if this says that if we are in Christ, we receive anything we ask. And I would like to challenge you this morning with 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. And he says... This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. And as I have pondered these Scriptures over the years in my life and questioned God about this, He has always assured me that His children know his will. And there are times where we go through great sorrow and great struggle. There are times that we always should believe that God is going to heal, that He's going to move, and we should pray that prayer of faith. But I want you to know that we don't always know what the will of the Father is. And there was an old show that was titled, Father Knows Best. So if you have had unanswered prayers and disappointment with God, I want you to know that God knows best. And there will be a day when we see Him and it will be explained of why and what happened. But I also want you to know there are those times that when you're reading and praying that God speaks a word to you and you know in faith that you are to stand on that word and you are to believe that this is what God wants to do in your circumstances. And I want you to hold tight to that word. And you pray and you believe that this is what God wants to do. Because God hears His children. If we could go on to the third point, which is assurance of abiding. In verses 23 and 24. And this is His command. To believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. And to love one another as He commanded us. Here's one command with two parts. And again, it's not just about saying His name. Although that's important. It's about believing in the atonement and the sacrifice that He paid for you on the cross for your sins. And you see why John is writing this? Because there were some that came that said, that Christ wasn't really who He was and who He says He was, but He is. 
And I want you to know that the gospel is not complicated. The gospel is that Jesus died a sinless, as a sinless person. And his and our sins, our sins, not his, our sins were nailed to the cross. And he rose on the third day and he will return. That's the simplicity of the gospel. My, how we have complicated it. And then the second part of this command is to love one another as he has commanded us. And you see, we're just beginning to scratch the surface in this book of what love is. And last week we said that if you love one another, that you know you have passed from death to life. And we do not love out of a position because we are earning God's salvation. We love out of a, uh, out of a position that I was loved first. And I love others because I have somebody that loved me when nobody else could or would. And you see, those who obey His commands live in Him and He in them. When you are doing the commandments of Christ, when you are doing what He says to do, although there is so much grace in this life, there is so much love and acceptance in you, but there are commands to be followed. And John says this, that when we do follow, when we are loving one another, And we're believing in the name of His Son that we know that God abides in us and we in Him. And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. So this morning as Danan comes to lead us in our response time, There's always a question of how are we going to apply this word to our lives? And I want you to know if you're asking this morning, how do I know if the Holy Spirit abides in me? And if I'm really abiding in Christ? And I want to give you two simple steps is to get into the word. Read the Word, digest the Word, meditate on the Word, and prayer. You see, so often we're trying to do so many things. We just need to know Him. And so this morning, I want to leave you with something simple. How to apply this. And it is how to apply this. is is Stop walking in condemnation and guilt. I've made some grievous mistakes in my life. And I have to live with those mistakes. But I know that Jesus Christ has forgiven me. So when Satan brings those things into your life and begins to accuse you, you need to just run to the cross. That is your security. And it's not for the weak. It's for the strong. So if you'd stand with me this morning, and if the elders would come forward, I want to ask you this morning that are you struggling with condemnation? And are you struggling with past sin?
And this morning I want to, maybe you don't know Jesus and maybe you've walked with Jesus for a long time, but you still are struggling. I want you to stand in faith. And I want you to just take your needs to God and ask Him to come and to speak into that area. And we as elders, we want to pray with you and pray for you. And I'd like to challenge you to take the brave step of coming forward. But if not, pray in your seats. And as we worship, let's just meditate on those thoughts this morning. Thank you.